Shut up and sit down. Hello and welcome to the Futures Focus podcast, courtesy of Prospects1500.com. I'm your host, Alex Sanchez. Joining me today, per usual, is the great, the one, the only, David Gasper. David, how's it going with you today? It's going pretty good, man. Uh, it's, it's warming up over here in, in Wisconsin and um, just trying to you know, make it through to the start of the minor league season. It's taken... A little bit longer than normal, um, but, <laughs> but yeah, it's 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 good over here, man. How are you? Yeah, it's uh, we're in a place called Huntington Beach. Have you ever heard of that place? I, I have heard of it. I've never it's, been there, but I've heard never of it. Never been there. It is uh, they model themselves as the surf capital of the United States or California. Oh. I think it's Surf City. Yeah, Surf City, USA. Have, have you been doing some surfing out there? Yeah. No. No, I uh, I tried surfing once when I was in college, and I got stabbed by the back of the fin, and that was it. <laughs> I didn't think I would get stabbed by my board surfing, and so then we've been in a bad relationship since. Yeah, of all the things to attack you when you're surfing, generally yeah. your own surfboard is the least of your worries. So, um, yeah, I prefer actually snowboarding if I'm going to get on a board. That's my, my uh, board of choice. What about uh, you? Have you been surfing? I have not. No, um, that is not really much of a thing out here in, no, in no. Wisconsin. I mean, you could glide on the lake, right? On like a paddleboard. Oh yeah, it's paddleboard, but that is that is far <laughs> different from surfing, buddy. <laughs> like the same that is far different. Absolutely. Well, uh, yeah, we're here in Huntington Beach. I'm actually in a hotel room overlooking the water. I can see the Pacific Ocean, and uh, it was my wife's birthday yesterday. So happy birthday nice. to Sarah. Yeah. Um, I'm looking at my window. Yeah. I can see a cornfield. Yeah, yeah. That's, I mean, that's field of dreams. So it's all about how you look at things. <laughs> yeah, right? I wish it was a baseball, baseball field, and they'll come. They'll come to that. Anyway, today's episode's uh, the calm before the storm, if you will. It's just we're waiting. We're in a waiting game. I know listeners are probably in a waiting game as well. We need those minor league games to start. We need some action. We haven't been getting a huge amount of reports from the. Al- alternate sites we haven't had you know a lot of updates to top 100 lists there's just not a lot of information that's coming out for us to talk about so this episode will likely be a little bit shorter than some of our usual ones but just know that as soon as those minor league games start we're going to uh, amp it up kind of get into a groove again so um, today's agenda interesting one we're going to take a left turn if you will and discuss Dynasty Leagues. We had some interesting things happen in the Dynasty that you and I are in, the Dynasty League, and I wanted to go over that. So uh, that's kind of where we're going to lead the conversation and kind of discuss what a good Dynasty League looks like. Of course, there are preferences, and I also want to get your thoughts, David, on your experiences so far in a Dynasty League. So that's the agenda for today. But of course, per usual, we'll go ahead and talk about some of the news and notes. So how does that sound, David? Yeah, that, that sounds good. I got a I got a big uh, news piece that uh, just popped up here as as we just started recording. I wonder if it's about Christian Yelich. No, it's not, actually. <laughs> OK, what is it? What do you got? Um, uh, 
Colorado Rockies general manager Jeff Breidich has resigned, <laughs> and he is leaving the Rockies. How happy does that make you? Oh, my goodness. He should have done this months ago before the Arenado trade happened. So That's what he should have done. You're telling me he makes that trade and then quits. And huh? then Yeah, and then just leaves. And he doesn't send the Brewers Trevor's story for a bunch of no-name prospects to even things out. He couldn't even do that first before leaving in shame. But, yeah, now he now uh, Jeff Breidich has resigned from the Rockies. That's fascinating. Fascinating. I, I mean, that had to have been the reason why, right? I, I can't believe he kept his job this long. Yeah. You know, I mean, even before that, even before the Arenado trade, he, should, he probably should have been gone. But, yeah. Wow. So it's you bad out in, there in Colorado. It is bad. Yeah. You come in, set the garage on fire, and then take off. Yeah, what a guy, huh? Cool, bro. Cool. <laughs> um, that's that's good. That's a good way to start our news and notes. That's a that's a fantastic piece of information that uh, I I didn't even know until right now. That's I, great. I just I just had notifications pop up on my phone here. Mm-hmm. I saw Yelich was uh, his MRI came back clean. I thought that's where you were headed. That was oh, good. yeah, no, but, I mean, that that is good news. Uh, apparently, they're targeting getting him back by the end of the week. So, uh, that would be very nice uh, for several fantasy teams to get Christian Yelich back. Absolutely, including my own. But let's start with some other news and notes around the league. Uh, a guy that I have a, uh, a positive affinity for is Luis Patino as a former Padres farmhand. He actually made his uh, debut, well, not his debut, but his uh 2021 debut and he was an opener of course for the Rays um only the Rays could use Luis Patino as an opener and then it's probably the right move I just don't understand how they get away with it but he did pretty well he struck out three looked dynamic was getting close to 100 miles per hour on and can you know with his fastball looked fantastic so I'm hoping that we see him get extended a little bit more but Quite a debut for a 2021 and um, for Luis Patino. I still, it seems like maybe the Padres should have sent over Mackenzie Gore instead of. Oh, him. yeah. What do you think about that take? Yeah, I mean, the that whole situation is getting very interesting. And I mean, Patino, I mean, very excited for his debut and he's going to do a lot of really good things there for the Rays. But yeah, the reports coming out that Mackenzie Gore is having the yips at the moment. Um, that's that's something you never want to go through. Um, it, it's something that you never want to see, certainly at that level. Um, so it is, if that's true, and, and that's what the reports have been from uh, pretty well-connected and, and trustworthy sources, then um, it, it might be a little while before we see Mackenzie Gore. We may not see him this year, depending on how long it takes for him to uh, get over the yips, but that can that can take a while. Yeah. So this is fascinating because we obviously didn't get a lot of information last year, and we expected Mackenzie Gore. By the way, I'm always going to refer back to that random person who posted on my Padres top 50 list that Gore will be up before Patino mm. and will be up in mid-season 2020. Yeah. You can add old takes exposed right. on that one. And I said no. I, well, I wasn't too strong, but I didn't think so. Um, anyway, I was right. The point is here, Mackenzie Gore had some issues last year in that alternate site that we never are probably ever going to be aware of, although we may get more information now. 
And we can only assume that the yips are now what was the problem, right? We have to assume that. What I'm confused about is we saw him pitch in spring training this year, and I didn't see the yips. I saw a little lack of command within the strike zone and typical, like, maybe missing six inches off of where you wanted your fastball to be off the plate, but nothing that was like Rick and Keel-esque, you know? So I don't know what these yips are. I don't know if there are typical yips. Yeah, I mean, it's something that, I mean, it can spring up at any moment. I mean, probably didn't happen in spring training. I mean, probably could just happen there at the alternate training site or or whatever, or in a bullpen side session, all of a sudden just throwing things everywhere. And yeah, I've had them myself when I still played. Um, When when I was playing back in high school, I had them. I saw a guy go through it in the Northwoods League. Um, It's it's painful. It's painful to watch. Like it doesn't actually hurt anything on your arm, but mm-hmm. just watching a guy go through that, it's it's one of the worst things to to see. And I mean, j- just what it can take on you mentally trying to figure it out. It's like, you know, Mackenzie Gore, like he knows how to throw a baseball. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's just all of a sudden, for whatever reason, his brain doesn't, you know, hasn't been able to do it. And yeah, it's. It's really tough, and and hopefully you can come through this relatively quickly. But See, I mean, in, in the meantime, the Padres still got a pretty good rotation. Yeah, they do. I, as I'm thinking, these aren't the the yips where we're throwing to the backstop type of thing. I think this is just stuff where he you can give him ten tries and he can't hit the outside corner on a fastball, and it keeps coming middle or it, it goes way off. Like it's something like that because I I just. And then I think it goes back to the other part that you're saying is that there is no rush for Gore to come up. Like they don't need to have him now. So it could be something that's that minor. That's where I'm tending to lead to. Um, and that he'll, he'll figure it out. But again, it, it all depends on these yips and we won't see him until the minor league game starts. I think what we should do is take, take a step back and wait till we get to see him in game action before we make some drastic decisions like, trading him away on your dynasty team and stuff like that. So it is concerning though. I think you're hitting the nail on the head that they, I mean, it happens, it happens, but what the good part is that it it is able to be fixed, right? Tyler Matzik for the Braves is a great example. He was a guy that openly admitted he had the yips had to get out of baseball and now is back and dominant. And so it just, is it going to be a, you know, a Rick and Keel end your career type of thing, or is it going to be just a, a half a year setback. So we'll see, but yeah, not fun. But um, the other pitcher though, the other lefty for the Padres, uh, Ryan Weathers doing awfully good. Did you see his start against LA? I did not get a chance to watch it, but I did hear about it. A lot of swinging strikes and called strikes, um, which is a new stat that I'm seeing this year. It's like, you know, how many called strikes do you get and how many swinging strikes do you get? And you combine that up. Um, So I don't, know know what the you know in terms of elite versus I, i'm just now seeing that stat this year but apparently he had a very good one <laughs> with using those uh measurements against the dodgers of all teams he seems to only face the dodgers but uh that's the lefty you want i guess in san diego who would have thought who would have thought moving on uh michael kopech struck out 10 over five innings um to earn the win on sunday yesterday do we think that he's starting to uh, get stretched out? He was 
kind of making a start, I suppose, for Lance Lynn. But Michael Kopech, 10 strikeouts over five innings. He now has a 1.72 ERA, 27 strikeouts over 15 in the innings. That's pretty insane. Yeah, I mean, those are kind of the numbers that they we've always kind of been expecting out of um, Michael Kopech. And now he's finally getting the opportunity to, you know, show it in games. And he's, and he's putting them up and... You know, we'll see how long he can he can hold this, and and if he'll be able to to stick in the rotation and stick in that you know front of line number one, number two type role uh, that that we've all kind of envisioned him uh, being in. But so far, so good for him. Absolutely, it is April twenty sixth. By the time we speak next week, do you think we will see Jared Kelnick in the major leagues? Taylor Trammell struggling. A lot <laughs> with uh, I hope so. with the tool in Seattle. <laughs> do we see him before we record next week? Do you think? I hope so. We should. Um, he we should have seen him a couple of weeks ago, but you know here we are. Um, the Mariners. Uh, I forget what lame excuse they were giving, whether it was defense or I, I think it was facing more left-handers. They wanted him to face more lefties down at the alternate side or something before they bring him up. I mean, it just seems like. I, it's like a partially like you it can be a legitimate legitimate excuse but at the same time you know it's kind of a lame excuse and, and really uh, re- really just kind of dumb and especially knowing what the Mariners former president said about him before um, so I hope we see him um, we're, we're getting to the point where um, I mean the the service time is you know you, you're gonna have the extra control over him and, I mean, if they're going to try to avoid Super 2, I mean, you're going to have to hold them for a couple more months, and I really don't see any sort of value in that. So the excuse that I was kind of getting from the Mariners is that the team's doing so well that they don't want to mess up the chemistry. So um, I guess yeah, because Jared, yeah, Jared Kelnick, noted uh, clubhouse chemistry ruiner. And I suppose with the Mariners being 13-9, and nine, second place against those red-hot athletics, that, uh, you know, you can sell that for a week or two, I suppose. So, well, I bet we see Kelnick by the time we record next week. Or at least we'll know when he's going to debut. How about that? I think that's what yeah. we'll know next week. A couple of guys I wanted to go over, and then we'll move on to the topic at hand. And that is Christian Pache is back from the injured list and option to the alternate training site. Uh, so, Pache is clearly not ready. Uh, as a Braves fan, I know I do the Padres on the side, and I, I do enjoy watching the Padres games too, but I watch you know, pretty much all the Braves games. Uh, Pache is definitely not ready to hit yet. I never thought he was going to be a great hitter anyway. And yeah, <laughs> so uh, we won't see Pache for a little bit. I would imagine that he needs to see some games in AAA. So once the, that AAA season starts up, get him going down there, and he, he'd be back up. A prospect going the other direction, however, which if you would have told me at the beginning of the year, who's having the dominant performance, was it going to be Christian Pache or Jazz Chisholm? I probably would have said Christian Pache, but it's Jazz Chisholm who is dominating right now, getting close to 300, has a couple of bombs, and of course he has that electric speed. Do you think that Jazz is for real and we're going to see 30-30 seasons out of this kid? I think Jazz is for real, yeah. I mean, he's someone that's... uh really exciting player man just watching him uh, on the field running the bases everything um you know he's he's getting off to a really good start and and like you said i mean i think we're all 
you know, expecting Pache to really kind of step up, and and so was I. That's why I got him. I got him on my fantasy team, and I didn't end up grabbing Jazz. But now I'm kind of wishing I grabbed Jazz instead. But here we are. Uh, so yeah, I mean, Jazz is is playing really well, and and Pache's still got to uh, get things going. Yeah, and granted, in real life, they do value in much different uh, ways of the game. So. But for fantasy, you know, people were uh, pretty high on Pache. I never had Pache on my fantasy top 100, uh, higher than 80 or 90, um, whereas people were having him in the 20s and 30s, just because uh, that defense is great and gets him in the lineup, but clearly it doesn't keep him in the lineup if he can't hit, which right now he can't. <laughs> um, last piece of information I want to talk about, uh, the how to screw up prospects for dummies version of um, Alex Karoloff in Minnesota. So they promoted him from the alternate training site um, on Friday. Uh, had a great weekend. He went 0 for 14. So, yeah. <laughs> I just, it has to be messing with your head if you're a prospect. And you were good enough to get called up for a playoff series and bat in the middle of the lineup but you weren't good enough to start the season to overcome Jake cave and others to play in the outfield. I, I has to mess with your head a little bit. So um, how's the arrow pointing for you with Kirilov? You know, I, I still believe in Kirilov. You know, I think once he gets a chance for consistent playing time and, and the twins just bring him up and be like, you're our guy, you're, you're in the starting lineup where whatever position uh, that they're going to put him at, whether it's left field, right field, what, like wherever they're going to put him. Um, just put him in there every single day. Give him a chance to get comfortable, and I think he'll be just fine. Um, and even in his 14 at-bats, he only had three strikeouts. So yeah, he, he wasn't striking out at a, at a huge rate. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it wasn't that bad. I, I still think overall he, he's going to be a good hitter. Yeah, and I'm looking at his advanced – Statcast stuff right now, and he has a hard hit percentage of 54%. Granted, 14 at bats, but still, 54% is awfully good. Just to put it in context, Fernando Tatis, who I think we all admit hits the ball hard a lot, is at 56% right now. Um, so that gives you an idea that you know he wasn't overmatched. Um, the exit velocities weren't there, but still, he's still barreling up balls, which is kind of what he was, right? We didn't expect 115 mile per hour exit velocity from him, but like consistent hard hit rate, line drives in the gaps, that sort of stuff. And it appears that he's just getting extremely unlucky, at least to explain some of that, because you're right, the K rate, if the K rate was up to like 30 or 40%, again, 14 at bats over the weekend, hard to, but it was all what we got, you know, we got to go with what we got. So um, there is some, some light. So I do think Kirilov is is a hold for now with a you know that's maybe the arrow is just leaning a little bit down because you look at what the cardinals did with dylan carlson he has been struggling um you know he struggled last year he struggled a little bit at the beginning of the year and now he seems to have figured it out he's in the middle of the lineup he's hitting close to 300 he's and he's hitting every day yeah, they, they got him in the lineup every day, and that's what the Twins yeah. they, they got to do with Kirloff. Like, you got to do that. Yeah, you got to give him that opportunity and just give him a chance to to get going. You can't give him, you know, one or two or well, they've given him a total of five games and just be like, well, you know, in five games you weren't able to do anything, so that's it. We got to go something else. I mean, yeah, 
For for a guy like Kirloff, you give him a little bit more time. All right. That, that's uh, about the news and the notes for the week. Actually, a lot of things to talk about there. I'm glad that we touched on some of those big names. But um, let's go ahead and, and go over our main idea for today. And we'll do that right after this. And we are back. This is Alex Sanchez with David Gasper. Now, we're going to do a little something different here. We're going to discuss fantasy leagues, um, our fantasy league first. And I know that it's not for everybody, but just hear me out with the plan here, okay? We're going to go over some things that happened and then talk about it in a more general sense because I do kind of, you know, I listen to other podcasts too when those guys start talking about, oh, I picked up this guy. It's so great. And I'm like, yeah, bro, nobody really cares about your fantasy league. We need <laughs> advice for like everybody. So, but I do want to point out what happened in our league because it is so strange and then use that as a diving board to jump into the dynasty league preferences and what your thoughts have been so far. So interesting, interesting stuff. Again, this is the dynasty league that we've talked about on this podcast when it comes to um, the prospects that were drafted and we had, you know, a couple of episodes discussing that. This is the Zhao Dynasty, and it is created uh, by Nate Eckert, who is a fellow writer at Prospects 1500. And I, I feel so bad for Nate having to do uh, all of this, uh, which, is, <laughs> as you'll see, it was a lot of work. But basically, we have a huge Dynasty League. Uh, again, to remind you, we have 100 possible minor leaguers, if you choose. You don't have to, but you have to have at least 50. And they are minor leaguers. That is the key to remember here. Nate did this. It's a free league. We're doing it for for fun and kind of like to you know have people follow it and, and whatnot. And so Nate had to fill in the league with a couple of guys that we'll call randos, random people. And one of these guys is named Oz. His name was O-Z, Oz. And he didn't show up to the draft. Now, granted, Dynasty drafts often are slow draft based, meaning you you know you don't all log in like you would do your fantasy football draft, right? That's fun. You all get together on a day and you draft that day everybody. Typically in these dynasty leagues, what you'll find is you do a slow draft and you're on the clock for an hour, or you have sometimes it's even longer than that depending on your your settings. So he didn't show up for one pick, and this is a draft that went on for how long did it go on, David? couple weeks a uh, couple weeks yeah maybe yeah so i mean we did a pretty good job drafting for sure because we have all of us are like no life baseball nerds but <laughs> it, it, it speak for yourself buddy <laughs> you're not a baseball nerd i would classify you as one well i mean um, i'm talking about have a life, no right? life thing you have a life yeah okay well congratulations on your life jeez okay <laughs> now uh, <laughs> the draft went fine everybody uh, participated except this guy named Oz. Uh, he did not draft. He auto-drafted. Now, when you auto-draft in a league like this, your auto-draft will take the best player available. Now, oftentimes, the best player available is not a minor leaguer because the computer doesn't see them as going to play this year, right? So he drafted all major leaguers. <laughs> And put those major leaguers, it put them in the minor league slots. Okay, whatever. If you missed the draft, you missed the draft. You're going to have to deal with that. Um, but Oz took it a step further. What he did is he just embraced it. 
and he kept 30, 40 major leaguers in the minor league slots and just brought them up <laughs> willy-nilly, um, which is the shocking part for us as a league was that he actually did show up after the draft and participated, and he led the league in transactions and was dominant, <laughs> not going to lie. He, with no, literally no minor leaguers, is, was sitting in first place, is still sitting in first place. Um, losing like three or four categories total in, in two weeks' time. So, <laughs> David, what were your thoughts when you saw this guy and realized he's using his minor leaguers as uh, uh, extra roster space? Yeah, I, I didn't even realize that that he was like using the, the waiver wire like that to, to pick up guys and, and move them all around. I thought he was just kind of, you know, just leaving it kind of uh, on auto on, on autopilot and not like moving anything. And it's like, Oh, well then he's just kind of lucking into a couple, but it wasn't luck. Like you said, he was making all those transactions and, you know, just kind of leaning into it, like not even trying to pick up any sort of prospects. And I mean, by now a lot of the prospects have really kind of been picked up by pretty much everyone else in the league. So there's not really that much out there in, in terms of minor league prospects. So he's just leaning into all that. And um, I believe uh, you faced him and he ended up beating you. And then I think he faced Nate as well. And and then Nate had had enough. And uh, funnily enough, I get to face him this week. Uh, so, uh, yeah, it, it, it was just it's totally just against, you know, everything the league was kind of set up for. And it, it's just I, I, I just couldn't believe that someone was actually going about it that way. I mean, he had essentially a 50-man bench yeah. uh, that, that he was pulling from, and all these guys were just, you know, players that were uh, signed to, like, minor league deals um, in, in spring training and, and had the minor league flag designation, but um, they ended up being big leaguers like like C.J. Crone. He, he was signed to a minor league deal, um, but he's, he's a big leaguer, and he's a starting first baseman over there. Yeah. So he's got, you know, just a really great you know start there and then just all the depth it's just you know it's too much for for everyone else to kind of compete with in the in the short term but i mean in the long term i mean he's got he's got no i think his only prospect was like dean kramer yeah so uh needless to say he uh was kicked out so <laughs> yeah uh, but the point of all of that again i'm not trying to to say our league is so important that you have to, to listen. But what I want to do is to mention now, right? So one of the things you have to do, I think, in Dynasty Leagues is to make these minor league spots minor league only. And you can do that in, I know in fan tracks, I know some of the other leagues, you might have to pay for the premium. It's probably worth it, especially if you're doing a league where it is for money. Uh, have everybody pitch in a few extra bucks and go premium so you can do some of these things. Because honestly, that was the problem is that you could put anybody in the minor leagues and have, you know, the system would let you. So make sure you fully establish the minor league eligibility rules when you come to dynasty leagues. So in my opinion, I think you should try to mimic as many things of real life as you can. So I always like doing the rookie minimums, which is 130 at bats or 50 innings. But I'm also in some leagues where you can extend that a little bit higher to do maybe uh, 150 innings, 250 at-bats, something like that, to really get to know a prospect before you have to drop them. I understand the, think, the thought process behind that. You can also do leagues where you can freely call them up to the big leagues 
um, when they debut, and then you can send them up and send them down as many times as you would like for that season only. And then next year, they have to stay up on your major league roster. You can do it where if they're in the minor leagues, regardless of how many major league plate appearances they have, they can be in the minor leagues um, if they're in the minor leagues in real life. So those are the preferences that you, you got to set one of those, I believe. You just can't willy-nilly say, hey, guys, just don't put minor league guys in the mi- uh, major league guys in the minors because either A, you'll have to police that and that becomes super annoying or B, people will get away with it under your nose and it's not fair. So of those things I mentioned, David, what do you think is your preferred option for minor league eligibility? I want to think for minor league eligibility, I mean, you probably should have to be in the minor leagues. You know, it's something where, uh, I mean, like for some of these guys in in the, you know, limited rosters, like you're going to, you don't necessarily want to like move someone out or, you know, drop someone uh, to bring someone up. And, and yeah, you need a little bit of time, but um, really, you know, just when, when I think we originally had it where pretty much everyone was technically minors eligible, uh, that, that's just something that really makes no sense when you even got established big leaguers that it's like, oh, yeah, you could just stash them in the minors. It's like, eh, that's not how this should work. Yeah, I think, you know, when you have minors be minors, majors be majors, you get that little bit of an issue, like when a guy gets called up. How fast do you have to call him up to your league? And then what do you do if he gets sent back down and, you know, uh, roster space and all that, which makes it quite challenging, to be honest. So it depends what you're looking for. Do you want to have a a little bit more depth in the free agent um, pool of your players? Or do you like your dynasty leagues to be like, you know what, there's just not going to be players available on the dynasty uh, league free agents, which is you know, that's kind of your preference when you start up a league, you know, because in our league, if you do stuff like that, what you're saying, David, you're going to get more free agents. Right. And so that that's mm-hmm. good. That could be a good thing. Um, I'm in another league where it's like you can keep guys for 250 at bats and stuff like that. So there's just nobody on the waiver wire. And that's fine because that encourages more trades. So you get a given a given a take there. Now, what I wanted to do next was talk about some of the scoring rules that we have and how they've been going what this league honestly is is sort of an experiment to try some of these categories that you probably don't often see of course you if you're listening to this you probably know your basic categories where it comes to runs hits rbis all that stuff even whip and you know maybe even k per nine those types of things you've probably seen in dynasty leagues before but this league we have some interesting categories uh we have weighted on base percentage we have uh, game-winning RBIs. We have quality starts, ultra-quality starts, super ultra mint, best start ever quality start type of thing. <laughs> um, we have a lot of different categories. So what have, uh, what have you thought so far about some of these hitting categories? It's weird because you see we have runs, home runs, RBIs, and stolen bases, and then you get to the sabermetric part so it's a little weird that we have a little bit of this a little bit of that but what are your thoughts so far do you think basic is better or do you kind of enjoy these advanced statistics i mean i enjoy it to to a degree and um i mean stuff like that really kind of is you know the better indicator of you know good players good performance um and you know that's really kind of you know what you want you know you're you're building a really good team and uh, that's where like, you know, some players like, 
you know, maybe it's someone like a, you know, a Joey Gallo or something. I don't know, like, you know, big power numbers and you know, perhaps big RBIs. But what about his weighted on base average? Is that going to be as good or or whatever? So, you know, that's where it's kind of more about, you know, finding complete players. Um, and, you know, the best players in fantasy are also going to be the best players in, in real life and getting, as, I suppose, as close to that as you can. Um, there's, there's still not really going to be much for, for defensive um, stats there to help with that. But um, I, I think it's interesting that the pitching stats, though, is really kind of uh, very uh, unusual with all the ultra quality starts. It's really just kind of I mean, we got three extra categories that are all just about different types of quality starts and how long. Uh, these starters go, whether it's six innings or seven innings or eight innings, and mm-hmm. um, how, how quality can they be for how long. Um, and, and those categories, I mean, it's going to be tough to to score in them. I mean, you're going to have maybe maybe one or two a week probably. Um, so it's going to be it's going to be pretty close. It's going to lead to a lot of ties, uh, I believe, uh, in those categories, which you know could make it you know, a little bit tougher as we get towards. Um, you know, determining like, you know, who's better and who's not, because you're going to have so many ties and so many categories. But um, that that's something that, that could play a factor as well. And I should mention that this is a categories based league. So you get a point for each category you win. I think that there is some potential here with these rewarding of pitchers that go longer into games. I think that is nice to reward, but I honestly agree with you we don't want to see ties when we, we don't have to. I'm anti-tie in almost all of my sports. <laughs> so mm-hmm. if we could remove that, I think what this would really do well is in a points league. Okay. So a points league yeah. of course, is where you're getting, you know, a home runs worth five points or whatever. And you maybe can put that into there and you reward those pitchers that go the extra mile, you know, your Scherzers that go a little bit longer because of course that is more valuable. And Honestly, I, I drafted feel, Scherzer. Exactly. I feel <laughs> that we should be trying to replicate uh, the war, you know, war uh, in, in baseball. Now, the defense part is still in, in progress, I would imagine, in, in Dynasty Leagues. It's just hard to do um, unless you get really basic and do errors and stuff like that. But that doesn't ascend. I mean, Fernando Tatis has nine errors this year, you know. <laughs> so it's like, yeah. do we want to punish guys for that, the basic stuff like that? There's a lot that goes into the scoring system. I think what I am going to recommend to people starting up and or looking to better their leagues is to keep it as simple as possible. Um, and then don't let some of those advanced statistics overrun the basic ones. Because honestly, you want to keep it simple. You want to look at your team and you want to go in there and say, OK, hit a home run. I got three RBIs. That's good. I mean, because that's that's the fun part. But we also want to try to replicate real life as well, which is those advanced statistics. So I think it's it's a balance. I think this league's doing a pretty good job on the hitting. The pitching is where it's you know I'm I'm I would probably want something to uh, replace those, all those ultra quality starts. But you know you can have whip in there. I think whip's a good one. Um, I think that having holds and saves combined in a dynasty league is a great idea as well. In our league, they're actually two separate categories, but save plus holds can be a category on its own. I like that for for Dynasty League. So, um, yeah. David, I wanted to get your opinion, though, on your experience overall, not just the scoring categories, but this is your first 
year as a dynasty player. What are mm-hmm. what are your thoughts? Give us an overview. The, the stage is yours. Uh, describe your experience, what you've learned, how has it been going, all that sort of stuff as uh, as the year goes on for you. Yeah, I mean, things have been going um, pretty well, I think, um, for the most part. Um, you know, I feel like I've got a pretty well-built-up um, farm system. Um, I think I'm up to, like, 78 or, or 76, maybe, uh, players in the minors. Um, so, I, r- really, um, I, I'm looking at, you know, coming, I've been ravaged by a few injuries here. Um, I got, I got Christian Yelich. He's been out hurt and, uh, Wong, Colton Wong's out hurt for a little bit. And so is Pache and, um, so I've, I've got a couple of those in there, but I mean, for the most part, I feel like I've, I've drafted a, uh, a pretty good team at, at the big league level that that's going to be pretty good for a little bit. Um, I don't know what's going on with Amir Garrett though, but <laughs> Um, you know, I now, feel like you got some, I feel like you got some good value though with, with, um, like the prospects and, uh, like I got Royce Lewis kind of pretty late in the, yeah. in the draft, but you know, the, the thing is, is just trying to like, you know, determine it's like, okay, when do you, you know, trade prospects for a big leaguer or a big leaguer for prospects and, and, you know, making those kinds of, of moves and, you know, really kind of diving into being a GM, um, uh, of the team here and, and kind of like acting that way, um, and, and trying to, you know, determine like what, what's going to be best going forward. So, I mean, it's still, you know, the first few weeks of the, of the first season. So we'll kind of see where it's at going forward. But I mean, for right now, I, I feel like it's been going, going pretty good. I think I'm in showing I'm in, I'm in fourth place, yeah. I think right now. So yeah. now you've done redraft leagues in the past, right? Yeah. So yeah. what do you find to be the biggest difference for you when it comes to managing your redraft team versus managing a dynasty team? Well, I mean, for for something like this, like it's also like focusing on like the prospects and like getting them earlier in the draft, which is something that I was kind of, you know, at first a little bit surprised by. Um, and, you know, I had to kind of quickly adjust my strategy and like, you know, I wasn't thinking of taking prospects super early, but then you know, you see guys like Wander Franco and Kelnick and, and J-Rod go off the board. And I'm like, hmm, I might need to get myself one of these one of these top guys. And I, I got myself Adley Rutschman, all right? I got him in the, in the sixth round, I believe. So, I mean, from there, then I didn't really focus much on my big league catcher spot because I knew Adley Rutschman was, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure he's going to be a stud both in real life and in fantasy, and he's relatively close to the big leagues. So I didn't really bother going for a big-time offensive catcher at the big league level in the meantime because I knew I had I had Rutschman there. So I, I had opportunities to get a guy like Yasmani Grandal or JT Romuto, and I, could, I decided I could pass on guys like that and go for some other area of need because I knew I had, I had Rutschman there. And as soon as he's ready, um, my current guy, Wilson Ramos, it – it shouldn't be too hard to really kick him to the side and, and put Rutschman in there. Yeah, I think that's the beauty of dynasty leagues and why I don't even do redraft leagues anymore. Um, there's just too much, like you said, those injuries can come out and just ruin a whole season for you. But when it mm-hmm. comes to dynasty, you almost embrace 
losing, which is what I've been doing, to be honest. I've been losing <laughs> a lot, but I also played the guy that had 75 major leaguers. But the point is, I don't even care that I am losing because if I continue to lose, you know, I'm going to go turn Starlin Castro into something. I'm going to go turn, um, you know, yearly Gurliel into something else and, and to prospects and the rebuilding part is almost as fun as trying to win a championship when it comes to dynasties. Granted, it's, you know, it's not, <laughs> I mean, the money is great if you're doing it for money, but rebuilding is, is a lot of fun. And I've, it, the decision to do that is tough. Like when do you give it up to plan for two to three years in the future? But it is extremely satisfying when you do decide to do that, you spend a couple of um, years rebuilding. In fact, I don't know if I've told the story on air or not. I probably should if I, if I haven't. But in a dynasty league, I had made that decision. Um, I actually lost Jose Fernandez, Ooh. Um, tragically. And that kind of like spiraled my team into mediocrity. And I decided at that point, I'm going to rebuild. I'm going to so rebuild. the Marlins did too. Yes, exactly. They've been doing that a lot. Um, uh, but I embraced it. I mean, I didn't have a single major league guy on there. They were all, or, you know, they were, I was getting, I got Acuna, I got all these guys. And this is, you know, 2017, 2018. And it was, it was got to the point where it was ridiculous, the team. And I actually had another owner in the league say, Hey, I want to trade teams with you. Here's $500. Please create teams with me. And I said, okay, that sounds good. Wow. <laughs> so I essentially won a championship by rebuilding without ever having to win the championship. So uh, we switched teams, got the 500 bucks. And then what did I do to his team? Started to <laughs> rebuild it again. And it's, you know, it's, and we're kind of in that same process where it's getting to the point where it's sort of ridiculous of all these prospects. And guys like Jazz Chisholm I have on that squad, they're coming up. They struggled and you, you know, you stick with them because you have nothing to lose. And all of a sudden now jazz is this huge high end asset and it's great. And you, you get super attached to them. So that's the beauty of dynasty leagues. And I think something that baseball can really do well. Um, you can do dynasty leagues in the other sports for sure, but it's, it's just so gratifying to follow these guys get drafted and see them progress and then come up to your team. It's a very satisfying feeling. So, um, I think that's why Dynasty is the best. So um, what do you think? What do you, you, if you had the choice, you can only play one redraft or Dynasty at this point, what would you do? I mean, I've always really kind of liked the, like, you know, the, the GM aspect of it and building up, you know, a farm system, building up a team and, um, you know, always been like fascinated by like the, the front office way of, of building that up and, and acquiring talent, you know, throughout the, throughout the year and throughout the the whole thing instead of just you know one year redraft and being lucky and hoping that you know the guy in front of you doesn't take the guy that you want um and giving you really kind of a chance to move around so i mean i i'm really liking the the dynasty setup and and being able to to have all these guys to to be excited about and know that you know when they do come up uh, i don't have to fight everyone else to to get them you know i i can just have them stash down there on, on the minor league roster and even in a, like in, even in a redraft like say I wanted Adley Rutschman I, I'd have to have him on my big league roster in the meantime while he's still down in the minor leagues and he's just taken up a roster spot and I got no place else to put him to have another active hitter um, so I, I got to wait until 
you know, probably would wait until he gets called up and then you got to fight everyone, you know, hope that you get there first um, and, and, and you're able to pick him up. So this way you can just already have him. Um, and then, you know, when he's not playing, you can stash him down in the, in the minor league. So I'm really kind of liking that, that aspect of it and, and being able to have more flexibility with guys. Absolutely. And I think another cool thing that, you know, we talked about rebuilding. You can also, when you go for it and just like empty out your farm system, I know that part isn't <laughs> the best, but when you do that and you go to these teams that are rebuilding, you're going to get studs like in, in another league, I'm going for it. Right. So I've traded my, my farm system is horrendous. I don't even want to mention some of the guys. I think my best guy is Cameron uh, Misner or Michael Harris. Uh, actually, Michael Harris is quite good, but those are like, that's it for my minor leagues. And, um, yeah, but the team I have, like Josh Hader, he's a perfect example, right? He's not a guy that the, the team that was rebuilding actually really wanted to keep for the long term because he's 27. But for me, I was able to get him for my prospects. And now, like, this team is just so fun because it's a bunch of major leaguers that are, you know, 27, 28, 29 in their prime. And it's a monster. It's a monster type of team. And it's just <laughs> it's not going to be a great team in two or three years. But right now, it's a lot of fun. And so you can also, it's all your team. That's the beauty of it. You're the GM. So, um, you know, you're not going to get fired like (laughs) certain other Rockies GMs, but you may be forced to step down because you made, you know, stupid moves, but yeah, Uh, you know, Nolan Arenado hitting 253, just saying, not lighting the world on fire, a couple of big home runs. So anyway, um, (laughs) I think that uh, hopefully this was informative for some people. I think that, getting a look at kind of our thoughts on dynasty and opening up some possibilities for other leagues and, and be okay to change things up. We're in a league where, uh, you know, we all communicate very openly and, and put in our thoughts and uh, discuss what needs to be done. I will say that I, I do believe changing the rules mid season is always tough that you should always kind of have almost like a conference <laughs> if you will, in the off season mm-hmm. and discuss the changes because you don't want to go into a season and then have it change on you with like, oh, now I can pick up 20 guys instead of just three guys a week. Like that's a big difference and can really adjust your team, right? So if I know I can pick up 20 guys a week, I'm not going to draft these stud pitchers because I know I can stream pitchers. If I only have, you know, three pickups per week, I know that I got to draft a little bit better starting pitching. So it, if you change that in the middle of this season, all of a sudden my draft strategy is is altered and I don't like that. So that's one major rule I think you need to keep in mind. I think that's all fantasy leagues, not just dynasty leagues. But it, it does get uh, to the point where minor changes can be done in dynasty leagues and people think it's okay midseason, and I'm still against that. But uh, regardless, anything else to add as we uh, we finish up our dynasty league talk here? Um. I'm I'm going up against the the team formerly known as Oz this week, so uh, hopefully I can begin the the push to get him back down in the standings. Yeah. Um. Where 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 he really kind of kind of belongs, but uh, yeah. I mean, that's it's, my buddy Anthony. So uh, he's a good. Oh dude. yeah, he took over. Yeah, he's a good guy. He'll uh he won't do what Oz did. I know that. <laughs> yeah. I still must destroy him. So. I think it's the one last yeah the one last thing I wanted to add is that. If you are looking for a way to get better knowledge of the minor leaguers, which if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably already into those minor leaguers. But if you were like, I love baseball, but I just can't follow the minor leagues, get a dynasty team and 
you'll be amazed at how much knowledge you'll just gain with your minor league players. And uh, I think that's going to do it for us today. Again, a little shorter of an episode. Again, not your typical episode. We usually do want to go over minor leaguers and not our dynasty leagues, but I did think it was an interesting time to discuss that and, and share thoughts. Plus, it was really funny that the guy, you know, guy did that. So, um, yeah, have a great week, everybody. We really appreciate your support. This is the Future Focus podcast. We are prospects1500.com. Alex Sanchez, you can follow me on Twitter at Alex underscore W underscore Sanchez. You can follow David at DGasper24. And thank you for listening. We will see you next week.